Welcome to Marketing Like a Mother, a podcast made for mompreneurs by mompreneurs. Each week, we are diving into mom-approved business and marketing strategies to help you grow a profitable and family-friendly business. Today, I'm your host, Olivia Radcliffe, and I am here with the incomparable Cheryl Woodhouse. Cheryl is the founder of Tactile Design Company, a boutique research and strategy firm that helps turn people and companies into recognized experts with a pipeline of high-ticket, long-term clients that is built using authentic relationships and sustainable, people-first, high-touch business practices. So when she's not on Zoom sharing her secrets to building her business past six figures, entirely organic, more than once, you can also find her unschooling her kids, lost in the woods, or deep in a book or another random hobby. So thank you so much for joining me, Cheryl. I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. And I know I've heard a lot about this podcast. I've listened to a couple of episodes. So like, I'm I'm stoked. It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So, all right. I know I just gave your bio, but do you want to mm-hmm. tell me in, in your own words, your short rundown of, of how you help people, who you help, and more importantly, like why you help them? Yeah. So like, the short notes version that's going to matter to the people in this room is what I like to give. And so- I have been a freelancer and agency owner for nearly 20 years, 12 years ago, almost 13 years ago now. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a freelancer and agency owner working on bringing in the grocery money and the vacation money while my husband brought in the majority of things. And our oldest child was one month old the day he lost his job. Mm. And my income went from the vacation money to all of the money overnight with a one month old baby at home and plans to be a stay at home mom. And so I spent the next, you know, decade ish building things up and getting my agency and my freelance work to six figures and supporting my family. I was the sole breadwinner for that entire time. We had two more kids in that time, spent five years traveling full time in our RV during that time. Mm -hmm. And just recently now, you know, 2020 was a little bit life-changing for everyone in various ways. And one of the ways that shifted things for me was the realization that my kids were getting a little bit older. They didn't need me to have quite as much flexibility in my schedule anymore. Maybe it was time to turn around and start mentoring people and helping them do what I had done and be able to be there and be present and put them first and still generate the income that I needed to generate to support my family. So I've started mentoring and supporting and helping people like me, who who just want to be there for their kids and grow a service-based business that feels ethically good to them. Mm. So many key points in there. I love it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I can totally agree. And I, I know a lot of our, our audience can resonate with the wanting to be there with your kids, wanting to be there in whatever capacity that looks like for you. But in being able to run business ethically, because I think there are so many we'll call them sleazy practices. That's a nicer word that I think are being taught out there as far as marketing and sales that they, they, they don't feel good to me. So I I'm very much on board with anything that is very much like you said, people first and is building authentic relationships and such. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of A lot of people are, and I know there's a lot of unfortunate marketing tactics out there. I actually just posted about one yesterday when I was victim to one, I guess you could say. Someone liked two of my posts on Facebook and then immediately sent me a copy-paste pitch of something that they wanted me to do. 
it's like this is this is gross but it's not the person that's gross it's the person who's teaching it as the way to do things that's making other people act out of integrity like that and it's really unfortunate and you know I know that the people first way takes longer I'm not gonna lie it's not going to build you a 90-day six-figure business like a lot of people promise it takes longer this way but it's also more sustainable. And I still, 10 years after I started a relationship, have people coming back to me and offering me five-figure projects because I built the business in a way that was people first. Yeah. And I think when you do that, it, it like you said, it becomes very sustainable. It's, it's, it's a long practice. It's a long thing. It's going to be your business for, you know, for, forever. You're building your business. It's not just an overnight flash in the pan. Okay. We've got some success. Now back to the drawing board and figure it out again. It's something that's that's going to last. So can we talk a little bit about what that looks like building those relationships and and how you put people first with your sales and marketing? Yeah. So there's two people that I really need to put first in my sales and marketing. It's the person I'm talking to and myself. I need to have both of us equal priority and no one taking priority over the other, right? Mm -hmm. Which means I never prioritize my need to generate revenue or grow my business or scale things above the experience of the person that I'm talking to. But I also don't deprioritize that need in favor of their, their, you know, minor discomforts and things like that. Like I try and keep things balanced. And so for me, especially with my neurodivergence, I'm really sensitive to rejection. I really don't like you know, any kind of perceived slight or someone saying no to me or that they might not like me, you know, and I can perceive the smallest details as those things. And so for me, one of the things that I really need to do when I'm prioritizing myself with this other person is have a reason to reach out to them. I can't just reach out to people just to say, hey, like you look cool. I should, I should have coffee with you. We should meet that's a really hard thing for me to do. I feel like I'm not bringing anything to the table. The risk of rejection is so much higher. And so one of the things I've become masterful at is using collaborative content to create those relationships. And so I have done industry research reports where I interview dozens of people across an industry, get all of their insights and compile it into this incredible PDF or slideshow and present it actually at industry conferences a couple of times way back in the day. And those build incredible relationships for you as a side part. Like people will ask you, why are you doing this? Well, I run a research and strategy firm and we focus on these companies and these are the questions we're trying to answer. And they'll start asking for your help or referring people to you that need your help. Right? I'm doing this now a lot with podcasts. I don't interview people the way that some people do, you know, podcast prospecting and Mm -hmm. it's just a sales call recorded, but I use my podcast to open doors and build relationships with people who might make good mutual referral sources or collaborators or potential clients or people whose services I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to open the door and have a reason and some value and something you're bringing to the table for that relationship. Blogs can serve the same purpose summits, conferences, online events, bundles, those sorts of things. I know you have done several of those things. Those are a really great relationship builder with other people in your space and potential clients. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me is just having a reason to reach out to people that make sense and feels an integrity for you so that you can build those relationships while still considering your own sensitivities. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know if it's just because it's what I'm focusing on so much now, 
but I feel like I'm seeing more of a trend going back towards maybe that authentic, hey, let's build an actual relationship sort of marketing, or at least maybe it is just because that's a circle. Those are the circles I'm trying to run in right now because it's something that's really, really important to me. But right now, like I, I do have an inbox of hundreds of messages and in, in, on my Facebook Messenger, Instagram, LinkedIn, everything of people who I've never met just cold messaging me or people who send me a friend request and then they send the the inevitable, hey, I, I see you're a coach sort of message. And I'm like, oh man, or, or, Hey, how you doing today with a little wave emoji. And it's like, do you really care about how I'm doing? Or do you want to get to the pitch? Like just get to the pitch or better yet. Don't get to the pitch Just skip because I'm not interested. And I find it very, very draining to deal with those kinds of things because I, I want to have good authentic relationships with people. And if someone's messaging me, I want to be, I feel like I, I want to talk to them. I want to say, I'm doing great. How are you? Tell me about your day. What's going on? And really want to know them as a person. And I can't do that with hundreds and hundreds and of, of random people who don't care. And yeah. So then I don't look in my inbox and then I end up missing actual good connections. And I, I just find myself hiding in a hole just because I don't want to deal with, with all of it. So yeah. And I find I've been really liberal with the block button over the past year. And that has gone down a lot for me. So just know, you know, if you find someone, don't just ignore their message, go into your inbox, find all of them, block them because they add each other's friends. And that's a big part of how they find you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if you block them, you'll kind of pull yourself slowly back out of their funnel and, and things will be okay. But I think Part of the reason that feels so icky to us, it's not just that, you know, we want to respond and actually have a conversation, but that for me as a neurodivergent person, I have to spend a whole bunch of spoons figuring out what they actually want. Yes. Like, what is the pitch going to be? Like, why can't you, if you want to hop in my inbox and sell me something, say so. Yes. Right. Like I'm a copywriter. I've seen some of your stuff. I would love to work with you. Can we have a coffee and just chat about any needs that you might have? It's cool if you don't have any right now, but I just really like your stuff and I'd like to work with you. Do you know how fast I would be on a coffee meeting with the person who was straightforward about it? Yeah. But no, we have to go through their whole message funnel and we have to get welcome to their pretend networking group where they're just going to throw us a webinar pitch anyway. Yeah. I don't have time for that. I own a real business. I have a team to worry about. I do not have time <laughs> to figure out what you're trying to sell me and this funnel that you're trying to put me through. And so again, just being having a reason to reach out to someone and being straightforward with it, like I'll cut to the chase. I want you on my podcast, right? People respond to that because it it's clear. It says, this is the thing that I want you to do. And this is why I'm asking you. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're not sending those out as templated blanket pitches and you're actually doing your homework and only sending them to people you genuinely have received value from and want to connect with, there's no reason for them to say no. And it doesn't feel icky on either side because it's really true. Yeah, that's well, I think you you highlighted on a good point there of actually doing doing the legwork and actually like if, if someone is going to be on the podcast and they say they listen to a whole bunch of episodes, but it's very clear. They have no idea what, what we're even talking about on the podcast. Like that's a huge turnoff right there. Or I had someone who messaged me the other day and said that they loved all my blogs on my website. 
Well, I just did a, a platform switch on my website and I hadn't finished moving all the blogs over. So there was nothing. And like, those are template blogs. Really? You love them? I think they just said like lorem ipsum, jelly bean, whatever. So <laughs> it, it, it's, that's the sort of thing that yes, will get you on the block list very quickly. So I think if you're, yes, it's, it's all about being, being authentic, being human, treating people the way you want to be treated. And yeah. And those types of businesses end up being very unsustainable, right? They end up being the types of businesses that are constantly needing new people in the door because the types of people, and I, I hate to use this term, but I have been one of those people, right? The types of people that fall for and fall into those marketing funnels are new and haven't been exposed to them before, mm -hmm. right? And if you and I as business owners are getting dozens of these messages every single week, someone who's new has probably not been in business for very long, has a pretty low likelihood of success, at least this go around. You know, they might try a few more times, but if they're brand new and they're just starting out, they might be back in a job in two weeks. And so even if you get them into your high ticket program or your services or whatever the thing is that you're selling, at the end of the day, they're probably not going to succeed with it because they don't have the baseline skills required to make it work. And they're probably not going to stick with being a business owner in the first place because most of those people are still at the dabbling in decision-making stage. And you're not going to get a ton of success stories and you're not going to get a ton of clients and you're not going to get renewals. You're not going to get people enjoying your containers. So you're just forever on this treadmill of doom, sending cold spam messages to people trying to get new people into your world because the people that you already invited can't stay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about being neurodivergent. Do you mind if mm -hmm. we go that track and talk about how that shows Absolutely. up in your business, your life, and how you do your business? Absolutely. And where doesn't it show up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, where do you want to start? Well, so I'm I'm neurodivergent as well. And I I'm actually relatively new to the term and it's been very it's it's been amazing to actually put a term and then to start to connect with other people who are also neurodivergent and to give myself permission to work on, you know, business practices or do things that actually feel good to me and in that neurodivergence versus something that I'm forcing myself to do because other people say I should. And so I'm curious, how how has that impacted your your business? How you how do you how do you show up with your neurodivergence? Yeah. So my story is a bit interesting because I didn't know that I was neurodivergent when I started my business. I didn't know I was neurodivergent when I started mentoring and teaching other people. Mm -hmm. My husband was in the diagnostic process for ADHD mm -hmm. and he'd taken like the whole questionnaire for adult ADHD and whatever. And, and then I took it just for fun to, you know, see how well it worked. I scored way higher than he did, like ridiculously wow. high. I was like, this assessment is broken. There's no way I can be neurodivergent. Like, look at this thing I've achieved. Look at the success that I've had. Mm -hmm. You know, I was on a roll through, through elementary school. You know, I went back and finished high school in one semester. I've got this successful six-figure business. There's no way that I have ADHD. Like this test is broken. And then when I started mentoring, for some reason, all of these neurodivergent people were attracted to my content and started becoming clients and started using my systems and processes and seeing a lot of success with them. I was like, huh, this is interesting. 
And I started doing a little bit more digging into it. I started to take that initial assessment a little bit more seriously. And I kind of came to the realization that, yeah, that there's a reason that a lot of neurodivergent people are attracted to my content and my way of doing things. And when I talk about my struggles with executive dysfunction, or I talk about my struggles with rejection sensitivity and all these things, you're not just a random collection of traits and characteristics mm-hmm. that I have. And so I started pursuing an ADHD diagnosis, which still scares me, but I started pursuing it. And then I found out that bipolar disorder is a very common misdiagnosis for ADHD, but it's also a neurodivergence. So I've actually been diagnosed neurodivergent since I was 16 and had no idea. Wow. So that's fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's really, it's shown up in a lot of interesting ways for me, but it mostly shows up in areas of like justice and integrity right? The things that I'm doing have to feel good to me. I have to feel like I'm creating results for people and I'm operating within integrity. And, and, you know, sometimes to my own detriment, I will admit I overwork, I overgive, I get overly invested in everyone's success. I care too much. Right. But that's all part of the rejection sensitivity. Like I'm worried if I can't pull off their dream that they want to pull off, Mm -hmm. that that'll be a reflection on me. You know, I struggle with getting things done. Sometimes I can, pull off a whole bunch of presentations and recordings in a week after doing a whole bunch of research for a month and then get a cold (laughs) because my body rebels against me and those things happen. But it's just knowing that that's what it's been this whole time. And that's the reason, frankly, that I have been able to achieve success because I've been able to focus when I need to, and I've been able to push when I need to. And yeah, it, it was very eye-opening and very interesting for sure to uncover that. And as I've gotten deeper into this journey now, it's been a couple of years since that realization, I'm starting to find more and more things that are linked to this, like understanding the the link between neurodivergence and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So like the fact that at 36 years old, I can still put my ankle behind my head is not normal, apparently. Mm-hmm. And it's part of joint hypermobility, which is frequently linked with ADHD, you know, my photosensitive migraines and what was diagnosed as farsightedness when I was a kid, but wasn't actually fixed by the glasses was actually sensitivity to a specific frequency wavelength of light and a specific color. And I can actually get color correcting lenses that completely eliminate my photosensitive migraines and the difficulties with seeing words on the page and, and things like that. And my focus issues, physical focus, not mm-hmm. mental focus Right. with, with just those little things. And so like starting to go into these rabbit holes now, of like, okay, what is this cluster of things related to this neurodivergence? There are things that I don't struggle with, thankfully, like POTS is one thing that's very common with ADHD. I thankfully do not end up with hypotension every time I stand up. Right. So we're, we're good on that regard, but it's, it's been a journey just kind of genuinely looking at myself saying, okay, what is, what is the reality of this situation here? Not what's the identity that I want to put on and what's the person I want to be? Who actually am I in this situation? What am I actually capable of? What are my characteristics? What are my traits? And how can I work with those things instead of always trying to kind of resist against them? It's been very eye-opening and very supportive. It's, I mean, it really is it's really amazing once you kind of start getting words for, for all of those things, you know, being able to group things together and say, Oh my gosh, 
they they go together. There's there's a reason for these things and it's okay. And it's not because, you know, I've lost it and I'm crazy and you know, this yes. is, yeah. I'm not lazy. I'm not yeah. a bad person. Yeah. Right. I just did like three humans worth of work in three days. And the yeah. fact that I need a nap right now is not a moral reflection on me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you want to go take a nap right now, we can just keep you like go lie down and we'll just keep recording. <laughs> but no, I, I totally hear you with that. And I will say like, you know, having found you through very organic, natural, authentic ways, you know, I met you through Michelle and it's like having talked with you was like, yes, this clicks. Like I can totally see how people are very drawn to you and how you function because you're very open and honest with how you are and who you are. And from the outside looking in, it's it's just really, really refreshing. And, you know, working with some of the other people who are also drawn with you, it's like I've, I've jumped in a group of of your students, everybody together. And it was like, wow, this feels so natural. This feels so easy, you know, just, just easy. There's no masks to wear. There's nothing. If you don't understand something, you just say it or you don't have to, or you can turn your camera off or you can leave or whatever it looks like. It's just so easy. And yeah, I think sometimes we make things in business are our businesses harder than they have to be because we're following bad advice or not, not necessarily bad advice, Advice that isn't right for us, I guess, is the better way of saying that. Um, yeah. And I say often, like every tactic will work. Every yeah. tactic will work. Every strategy will work. Those people that are cold DM spamming you, there's a reason they do it. It works. But if it's not going to feel an integrity for you, if you can't mentally and emotionally do the numbers game thing, if you can't live with yourself, if the clients you're attracting are not the type of people who are going to get results, you know, those things all add up and make you not want to do the thing. And if you're not wanting to, you're going to be less likely to. And if you're less likely to, you're not out there showing up. And if you're not showing up, you're not getting clients. So at the end of the day, yes, implementing those unfortunate strategies would work, but most of us can't actually bear to implement them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a difference and you kind of have to walk a fine line between pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. Cause I do believe in growing. And sometimes that makes us feel really uncomfortable. We have to do things that, that do make us sweat just a little bit, but knowing what's pushing yourself to grow versus something that is very not authentic with you, something that is out of integrity to what you believe and what you stand for. And yeah, kind of being able to tap into your own intuition and trust yourself enough to know that difference. I think that's, that's pretty key. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, one of the things that I press to people when they're trying to figure out who to reach out to, or, you know, what market segments and niches they can connect with, I I tell them to prioritize access. And the reason I tell them to prioritize their access to someone, like how many of these people, you know, and how closely you can Mm -hmm. get to them based on your current network is because it's way harder to learn two things at once right? It's way harder to learn how to build an authentic relationship and where to find all the people to connect with at the same time. It's a lot easier to remove one of those variables, right? And so if you can remove variables in other ways, it's going to make your path easier. The less you have to learn to implement something, the better. 
And so if you can implement a strategy without having to do a ton of mindset work to justify it and make it work in your brain and do the cartwheels and the flips to make it make sense, it's going to be easier for you to implement. You're not going to have to work as hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which leads to those really good clients and yeah, so on and so forth. Yes, exactly. And like really good clients, I feel like because I've got moms in the audience here, like I need to talk about anchor (laughs) clients for a second because moms need this more than anyone in the universe. Okay. Anchor clients, the way I define anchor clients is those long-term high ticket clients that pay you a few thousand dollars every single month over six and 12 month renewable contracts. They stick with you for years. They, they are very specific on deliverables. I don't do retainers. I don't like doing hourly stuff because then they own your time. And especially as a parent, you just, you can't have someone that owns that much of your time. You need the flexibility, but as long as it's deliverables, like, you know, you create a content strategy and then you're writing four blog posts a month for them for 2000, like who wouldn't love to have four or five of those contracts and just keep rolling them over month after month and writing those blog posts and have the time freedom and the flexibility. Having anchor clients is the thing that allowed me to go on week-long vacations without having to request permission from anyone. Or, you know, having anchor clients is the thing that allowed me to show up in the emergency room with a croupy cough until three o'clock in the morning and then clear my schedule for the day because we all needed to sleep. Right? Yeah. And that's having long-standing relationships with people have received value from you so that when you need that flexibility, they're understanding and they get it and they're invested in you personally because they actually care about you as a human being. You know, I've received birthday gifts from my anchor clients and sent them right in return. And having those types of people first client relationships that support you over the long term without having to hustle and fight for new clients every week, every month, every day that allow you the flexibility to show up and be a mom when you need to, it's an absolute gift. And I've been very grateful to have it all these years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Any last minute hard hitting bits of advice you'd want to share with the audience? I mean, just go out and start talking to people. I know it's the scariest thing imaginable, especially for the introverts in the room, Mm -hmm. especially for some of the neurodivergent people in the room. But know that there are some estimates that as many as 70% of entrepreneurs are neurodivergent, okay? So especially if you're marketing to other business owners or you're selling things to other business owners, find a reason to strike up a conversation and be direct and ask it. Okay. And just, and just go over as if you were at a party in a room with someone and say, Hey, I would really love to do X, Y, Z with you. Are you willing? And that can even be, Hey, I would really love to work with you. I would really love for us to do a project together. You know, don't be afraid to be direct and start a conversation because again, as many as 70% of entrepreneurs are neurodivergent, many of us struggle with deciphering exactly what it is you're looking for when you put us through Mm -hmm. complicated funnels and pitches. So just being direct and doing the outreach and building the relationships, it may not get you a client today. It might. It's happened. I've had students who have done their very first market research interview for an industry report and got an anchor client out of it. But building those relationships is what's going to build you a business that's sustainable over the long term so that you can also exist as a person outside of your business. And for us, I think that's really one of the most important things. Well said. I love it. I love it. 
Well, Cheryl, if anyone wants to continue the conversation with you, where can they go to find you? Yeah, the best place for them to go is probably soloschool.ca. That's where I teach a lot about neurodivergence in business. We teach some client attraction strategies. It's a little bit more beginner focused, but you can catch one of my regular workshops on there and just kind of get to know my teaching style and see if that sort of thing is right for you. You know, occasionally, if you pick up any of the free resources on the website, I might email out an invitation to our accelerator, which is where we hold your hand through getting some high ticket long-term clients over the course of 12 months. So when that's open for enrollment, you might get some messages about that to step up to the the next level Mm. for you, for those who are ready. But really soloschool.ca is where it's at for people who may be neurodivergent like us and just want some resources to learn how to sell, how to write copy, how to organize their thoughts in Notion and, you know, build a rapid logging and project management system that works for them. Operations stuff, like I'm bringing in other teachers to help. And we're doing all project-based learning in this space. So it's it's really built for us to give us the skills we need to succeed in business. And it's a great place to start. I love it. I love it. I definitely need, I love me a notion tracker. Like a really good notion. So I need to jump in and, and take a look at that stuff. So <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl. And thank you everyone for joining us this week on Marketing Like a Mother. If you found value in the show today and want to support some fellow mompreneurs, we would really appreciate a rating or even just telling a friend about the show. And we'll be back next week with more marketing tips for busy moms with businesses. Until then, take care.